Good morning. It is good to be able to bring the Word of God to you this morning. Um, I have been looking over these 50 verses, which is not typically what I like to preach. So I've had to kind of back out a little bit. Um, it wasn't a problem writing this sermon, it was editing and leaving out. There are so many things, but hopefully by God's grace, um, we will hit the theme of this book. If you will turn with me in your Bibles, um, we are going to read all 50 verses this morning, and uh, maybe I'll tip my hand a little bit and just say, um, uh, when we read this, let's read it with King David in mind, but also with King Jesus in mind. I think that might be helpful for you. Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction assail me. The cords of Sheol entangle me. The snares of death confront me. In my distress, I call upon the Lord. To my God, I cry for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through the clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. The channels of the seas were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostril. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from the strong enemy and from those who hated me. For they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord was my support. He brought me out into broad, broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanliness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness. 
according to the cleanliness hand, uh, of my hands in his sight. With the, merciful, with the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. With the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. For you have a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand support me and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with strength for the battle. And you made those who rised against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me. And, they wrote, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them as fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of the nations. People whom I have not known serve me. As soon as they heard me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be the rock, and, the, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gives me vengeance, and who subdued peoples under me, who delivered me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You rescued me from the man of violence." For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to the king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. This concludes my sermon. <laughs> That's good stuff. And I want to um, encourage us this morning with this word. By way of introduction, um, this is a reflection of King David's experience of his journey through turmoil, crisis, and suffering. It is written from a perspective of a humble servant who was used by God to show the power and the might of God and how God revealed his power and plan of his perfect will. Some might credit David 
in this psalm that it is all about him. Which David was faithful and remained righteous, but it is only because of Christ that David was able to be righteous. But we will see that David attributes everything to God. This is a psalm of praise and confidence in God. You know, good stories share these elements. Good versus evil. Endurance to prevail. Loyalty to a cause or to a leader. Destruction over evil. Victory. And finally, celebration and recognition. We see these elements in popular books and movies. The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, The Chronicles of Narnia. Homeschoolers, close your ears. Even Harry Potter. Okay, I'll get emails after that, but that's okay. These are not original plots, but it's a retelling of the biblical story of a king overcoming evil for the good of his people. The way that I have outlined this psalm this morning for us is David, number one, David as the servant of God, number two, God as the Almighty, and then number three, Christ as our King. Let's look at David as the servant of God. The psalm begins with David's declaring his love for God. And this verb, love, is a love that is like a child would have towards a mother or a a parent knowing uh, or a child knowing that the mercy and care would be given to this child from his parent. His confidence is in God. And this allows him to freely know that God is going to take care of him. And so David shares and and declares his love to, to God. He continues to declare that God is his strength, his rock. And we hear this several times, this term, God is, uh, is, uh, is his rock. God is the rock of David. God is the rock of Israel. He is also uh, his fortress, his deliverer, his refuge, his seal, shield, his salvation, and his stronghold. And then in verse 3, David calls upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. In fact, he cries out for help, knowing that God hears his voice and that it will reach the ears of God. David was in a difficult situation. You know, the beginning of his, his, uh, his reign as king. And so we see here in this poetic form the cords of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction assail me. The cords of Sheol entangle me. The snares of death confronted me. Now that's a guy in a bad, bad situation. His emotional, physical, mental state were probably under attack. I'm sure questions like, when will this suffering end? How will it end? A feeling of being completely stuck and no way to get out. But this is what we can learn from David. He knew that God was with him, and he knew that there was a way out by God's hand. So he endured in the hope, in the confidence in God. Do you ever feel stuck in this way? Whether it's a physical, financial, spiritual, mental, 
suffering that you're going through. But there is always hope and faith in God. We know he hears us, but at times we must wait in God's timing. Wait for his perfect plan so that he may be glorified through our faithfulness to him. We'll see here in a moment how God answers David's prayer. But David remained faithful. Look down in verses 20 through 24. He remained righteous and kept his hands clean. He kept the ways of the Lord and he followed his statutes. He was blameless and guiltless. And the Lord rewarded him according to his righteousness. Question. And let me just preface this. We know that this is because of what Christ did. Retroactively, David could stand in this way. But my question is, does our lack of righteousness hinder answers to our prayer? We may think that we are waiting on God, but maybe at times God is waiting on us to be obedient. Some of you may not like what I just said, and honestly, I don't like that either. I don't want to deal with that. But we must always work towards our obedience to God. It is always easier to blame God than ourselves. Finally, we see in verse 49 that David's heart was full of thanksgiving to God. He says, For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. If we miss this point in suffering, when we are, then we are really suffering in vain. There is nothing more beautiful than a saint in suffering and praising the Lord for his faithfulness and care. Over the many years as a pastor, I have had many trips to uh, nursing homes, hospitals, visiting the elderly. And I think the, the most beautiful thing that I see is people who are dying, who know that the end is coming. And when I go to the hospital to see them, they are joyful. They have hope. They are praising God. And I know in our midst of suffering, when, even when we go through minor things, there's a tendency to blame others or to be cranky. Chris can probably testify that at times I can be that way. But we need to look and understand suffering's purpose and that it should bring about joy and praise because we know that God is being faithful to us. Point number two, let's look at God as the Almighty. There is a phrase in the Chronicles of Nardia when Beaver says, Aslan is on the move. Knowing who Aslan is, you know something is about to happen, and it's going to be fantastic, and it's going to be glorious. Obviously, God is a pronoun, but I kind of like to look at God as a verb as well. He's always on the move. 
He is creating, he's initiating, he's intervening, he's destroying, he's rebuilding, he's controlling, he's stopping, he's showing his power and might so that all may see that he is the sovereign ruler over all things. In David's situation, God heard the call for help, and he's going to show himself. In verses 7 through 15, we see this poetic description of God's character. Let me just recap some of it. God's rock, the foundation of the mountains because of his anger. Smoke, fire of coals and flames come from him. He created thick darkness. He rode on a cherub and flew. He made darkness his covering, thick clouds around him. Out of the brightness came hailstones and coals of fire, thundered in the heavens, uttered his voice, sent out arrows, flashing light. The channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were laid bare by the blast of the breath of his nostrils. This is our God. And this is his power. Kind of funny. I, I thought this as I was reading this, and I didn't put this in my notes, but it came to my mind again. You ever tried to blow out candles with your nostrils? You ever think about that? You don't have much power coming out of your nostrils. Maybe when you sneeze. But God even just with his nostrils, has the power to lay flat the foundations of the world. This should excite us. It should also make us afraid that our God can do anything and that we can have confidence in him. For him to help David was but a small task to God. And he empowers David to do the business at hand. He gives him support. He brings him out of the water and rescues him from the enemy. Not only is God his fortress and shield, but he gives David strength to go on the offense and to run against the troops, to leap over walls, to make his feet swift and ready his hands for war. David pursued his enemies. He overtook them. He brought them to destruction so they were no more a threat to him. The wicked were defeated. They were a defeated foe. God is the rock of David and all of Israel and to us as well as to as his offspring of David. Which brings me to our final point. Christ our King. Now, if we miss the point of Christ in this text, then we've missed something that is beautiful. God uses David as an example of the life of Christ in his mission to defeat death and to reign in victory over all things. Like David, Christ loves God the Father. And in his life on earth was dependent on his relationship with him. He came to do the will of the Father and to obey all of his commands. Christ was the Son of God, and yet he suffered in his life and ministry and ultimately giving his own life on the cross for sin. 
When you think about the life of Christ and suffering, yes, the cross was the ultimate thing, but think about being with 12 men who really don't get it and constantly teaching and reteaching. Think about all the questions that the Pharisees would come to him and try to trap him and try to entangle him and at some points try to kill him. There was a constant threat. There was a constant pressure in Jesus' life in his three years of ministry that he was being bombarded. And ultimately, his suffering led him to the cross. Jesus, like David, never lost hope in the Father, no matter how painful and hard it was, because he was confident that the Father always heard his prayers, and like David, the Father cared and loved him. I wonder at times if we doubt God's love for us, but he does truly love us and care for us. Like David, he endured. In Hebrews 12, 2, it states, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured. And then like David, Christ was triumphant. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? And then in Philippians, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was triumphant. As we look at the end of Psalm 18 and look at verse 50. It says, great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Christ is David's offspring. God promised in 2 Samuel that David would rule, his rule would be forever through his offspring. In verse 16 of 2 Samuel And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke this to David. So we have a connection here. David and his offspring, Christ. And then how do we benefit from Christ? And I think if we look in Ephesians, we see in chapter 1, we see that God has chosen us in Christ. He has predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. In him we have obtained an inheritance of eternal life. Therefore we share in the benevolence of Christ's victory over sin and death. So we give praise to the Father and to the Son 
for their love. So we can see David's faithfulness. We can see the mighty hand of God in this text and how God uh, was working and is working. We can see the connection between David and his reign that will continue through Christ. And then we have the benefit because we have been chosen by God to have an inheritance in that. When we read through this, and I'm going to con- conclude after this, but there's, there's something that I want to address. And uh, I, think, I think it's important. Um, if you look down at verse 37, let me just reread a couple of these verses. Hang in here with me as I read. Verse 37. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with strength for the battle, and you made those who rised against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. Those are pretty uh, clear, harsh words. And I think sometimes uh, I've known people who think, this is how we live the Christian life. We're going to go crush and destroy our enemies. Now, David had the responsibility to do that. But Christ as well did that. That is not necessarily our task, what God has called us to do. How many of you like to think about vengeance? You ever been wrong? You ever been in a contract? You ever not get paid? You ever have a, a somebody speak ill against you? Do you kind of want to get revenge? Do you want vision? Um, uh, uh, do you want justice is really what I'm trying to say. And in this life, we as believers, as servants of the Lord, we may not see justice done. I mean, if you look in our court systems, very little at times is justice done. Sometimes the innocent are jailed. Sometimes the the guilty go free. It is a flawed system. And our focus is to love our enemies. But we can have confidence in the victory is already won. It is through Christ. And this theme, in Christ... It's in Christ that we do everything. It's in Christ that we come and worship. It's in Christ that we serve. It's in Christ that we endure. It's in Christ that we are able to love the Father. The focus of this psalm and the focus of the Bible is Christ. And that's why we come and gather together. That's how we minister to one another is in and through Christ who is our King. I want to just encourage us this morning, especially those who are in battles in, in their life. Four things. Know God and know his power. Secondly, trust him. Third, endure in hope and in joy. And then fourth, Rejoice, for the Lord is good. Let's pray.
Our gracious Heavenly Father, we look to these verses and we are so thankful that they are written for us and that we can understand them by your Holy Spirit and that we can take courage in you and what you have done. God, you are our rock. You are our only hope that we have in this life, in the life to come. And so we bring you praise and honor and glory, and we pray that you would help us to trust you and to know that no matter what is in our life, that it is for your glory and it is for our good. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.